Here's the exact quote. He goes, do you want the numbers? All right. In, in year one, we cleared $110 million in retail sales. Sorry, $250 million in retail sales and $110 million gross internally. All right, we're live. What's up? What's up, dude? Uh, have you been following this Prime Energy drink thing? Or Prime... I don't know what the fuck it is. It's just a Gatorade alternative, right? Have you followed it? Yeah, I followed it because a, a while back, I don't know, like a month ago, uh, Ben, business partner Ben, he uh, he told me, he met some guy who was like involved with it. He's like, dude, the numbers are insane for Prime. Like they're, they're selling, you know, bleep amount of just this one skew and like, let alone the main, the main drink. And I was like, there's no way uh, that's a crazy number. And then I think recently they came out and said, some more numbers? Yeah. What so did they say? There's two takeaways here. The first takeaway is the numbers. So Logan Paul said the beverage brand he launched with KSI. Uh, on, so on January 4th, so about a month or something ago, he said it did $250 million in revenue in the first year, and it did $44 million in revenue in just January of 2023, so recently. Um, and then he also said, but then check this out. Here's the exact quote. He goes, do you want the numbers? All right. In, in year one, we cleared $110 million in retail sales. Sorry, $250 million in retail sales and $110 million gross internally. So the takeaway here for me is, one, that's huge numbers. Two, what the fuck does, what, what the hell does that mean? This guy doesn't even know his numbers. Yeah. <laughs> that's the second takeaway. Bro, you're off by half. Like, uh, that's crazy. Also, what the hell does $110 million no, no, gross but, but internally what he's saying is they sell wholesale. So uh, this because they sell this thing, let's say at Walmart. So in Walmart, it did two hundred fifty million in sales. But to them, they're they're getting bought at wholesale prices. So they the markup is you know what what's you know they basically sell at half price, right? So they sell it to Walmart. For, they sold one hundred and ten million worth to Walmart. So their company sold one hundred ten million. The total Got product it. sold two hundred fifty million. Is what I think that has to mean. Well, crazy crazy that this is that big i've actually seen a few interviews with logan and uh he says what the numbers are and then someone from behind the scenes goes no 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 it was this and he goes wait what oh my bad it was this and it's pretty wild that like i think logan's a, a smart guy uh i would love to have him on the pod and everything but it's pretty wild how he's really just focused on the content thing and probably doesn't know much about the business thing it, it, it's pretty interesting i've seen him like ask Mr. Wonderful or something about that, about like different stocks and things like that. And he's pretty, has a pretty rudimentary understanding of like certain finance topics that I thought for sure he would be somewhat on top of, but I guess not. You can crush it without knowing that. Well, uh, I don't know about that. Like, I think he, I think he's like anything else. Like the way we are probably good at business, but, and we're just enough to be dangerous at, at the kind of like content, you know, like, you know, like when we see a YouTuber, both of us have had this reaction where we're like, oh, we're horse carriage operators and a Tesla just drove by. Like right. this is when I see somebody on TikTok, you know, you might as well be, you know, it might as well be at Hogwarts with a magic wand. I'm like, yeah, it's I, like we're not doing the same. something. I don't know how to do those things and I will never know. And like, it's awesome, but I, I just can't imagine myself really doing those things at the level you can do them. Hey, quick break to talk about our sponsor today. We're talking about HubSpot and their new AI powered service hub. Okay, so what is service hub? Basically, every customer today wants to be talked to in a personalized way. And before that required tons of human agents. But now with AI, you could do that in a personalized way with fewer humans involved. And so you don't have to scale up your team in order to deliver 
personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. And so I think he's good enough to be dangerous on the business side and smart enough, obviously, to know what categories to go into and who to partner with. So like if you look at their moves, right, like just zoom out so that you can't, you know, um, you know, hear what he's saying or, or whatever. If you look at their moves, the transition from Vine to YouTube, great jump. The transition from YouTube canceled to YouTube, like, you know, rejuvenated. That's a good, good move there. Then from YouTube to boxing, celebrity boxing, he ended up boxing Floyd Mayweather. for And God he did sake. all right. Like, he did all right. Yeah. Like, and his brother's, you know, doing, he's one of the most, you know, high earning, um, you know, boxers out there. Maybe and he's duh. like not a boxer. Yeah. So that's, that's incredible. Um, then the next jump, you know, for Logan was WWE. So now Logan is one of the big stars in WWE, but he does it on his terms. He then transitioned his YouTube content into podcast content because he's like, you know, I'm maturing. By the way, have you I seen him in WWE? He's, he's really phenomenal. good. He's really yeah, good. Exactly. Like if I was 13, I'm pretty sure I would think Logan Paul is the fucking shit because I'm 34 and I think Logan Paul Dude. is the fucking shit. You like, know, like. He's good. Like he, he's got the acting down. He's got the. Uh, he looks ripped. He's good. And people love to hate on these guys um, for you know good re- sometimes good reasons. They've done some things that are like you know whatever. He did the stupid video um, in Japan. He's uh, gets on, he's gotten some trouble for his like NFT thing. But like I don't know. I, I think there's a lot to be, to to learn from and admire in these guys. I'm not saying they're great people, or perfect people. I don't know them personally. I can't say either way on that. But I think from a marketing perspective, yeah, they crush it. Fifteen out of ten, right? Like from a brand building, from a, a sort of st- learning how to keep riding new waves and stay relevant. Um, these, I mean, these are they're phenomenal. The same way that the Kardashians are phenomenal in some way, and you could disparage them for a bunch of reasons, or you could look at the things they do great and say, "Cool, I'm just going to take inspiration from the things they do great," rather than hate on them in a very common way about you know the same stuff everybody else does. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, what he's done here is, is pretty phenomenal. I I think they're kind of him and KSI are kind of like, um, minor partners. I think it's business. I think it's like a, like a, like a third, a third, a third type of thing. The operators get a third here. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw an interview and it was either a third or like a 20%, but, uh, yeah, minority, but meaningful. I mean, this, this can be a billion dollar brand. Dude, I invited him to Camp MFM, by the way, and I was like, yeah, you should come. It's going to be awesome. And he was like, uh, he's like, dude, I can't get hurt. <laughs> he's like, I'm doing the WWE. If I go play basketball, I'm going to get hurt. Why did he um, reply to I, you? How, I can't like sprain an ankle or twist a knee and like not be able to go wrestle at WrestleMania in a month. <laughs> what, what platform did you speak to him on? You know, I actually, what happened was. Uh, what had happened was. That's what had happened was <laughs> I jumped into Twitter spaces where he was there and I just started talking there. Um, and then he DM me afterwards. And then, um, I was like, Hey, uh, you know, you actually, he had talked about my clubhouse or metaverse tweet on his podcast too. Um, and I was like, yo, you actually talked about my other thing, you know, that I'm that guy. And he was like, Oh, cool. Um, and so, you know, a Twitter DM is kind of where we talked. Dude, that's actually kind of a, a hack. There's like a handful of YouTubers that have five, 10, 20 million subscribers who I've chatted with on Twitter and they only have like. 10 or 100,000 followers on Twitter and their fans, children aren't using Twitter. And it's such a good way to like get in front of them. And uh, I've, I've actually pulled that move a few times on Twitter. It's pretty, pretty, uh, I'm shocked it works. That's genius. 
just not the same without thousands of roaring fans chanting our name, signing, you know, people's backs and shit like that. Harry backs. Uh, Harry backs. Sweaty backs. You want to do a recap? Yeah. So basically, the gist of this is, is Sean and I did a somewhat impromptu, it was supposed to be a meetup, uh, turned into like a live performance basically in vancouver i don't know how many people were there between a thousand or 1300 ish but we sold out this theater in vancouver it went pretty great uh you want to talk about a few things that surprised you yeah let's uh let's do that okay surprising um surprisingly hard to be on stage even though we kind of at this point talk for a living um there was a moment about an hour before where we're both like like, how do you use your tongue? Do you touch it against your teeth when you're making sounds? What do you do with that? Um, and we just had no idea what to say. Why do it, it was like, you know, that moment of panic where it's like, are these people even coming for us? Who are they? Is this, did, did they sell the tickets or did people just click? Maybe <laughs> like, you know, we just questioned everything for a moment. What are we going to say up front? How do we make this amazing for people? And um, there was really no so thought that went into this. Like one hour we went and got sushi ahead of time and we were like, so what do you want to talk about? We talked about that for five minutes, and then we started talking to each other about family and just fun yeah. stuff. But yeah, we had like a, a ten minute powwow to try to figure it out. But I think it turned out okay. Either I think the content turned out. We we basically we're pretty tough critics of ourselves. I think we gave the overall event an eight out of ten, and I think the I think it was not it was not a ten because I think it was a little poorly structured. Like the opening part was a lot of intro welcome to our spot thank our sponsors that sort of thing and also we weren't as well prepared as we could have been in terms of like we could have come up with things that that play better live than um than on stage like i had the moment of clarity afterwards i was like oh it's a show that's live with the audience we should be doing things like a b and c yeah 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 um and, and we didn't fully get that but we did like a little shark tank pitch competition we did q a we did some stuff with the crowd Dude, so i think that was good all things considered um, i thought it was actually a nine i think like given the amount of preparation and the amount of fun people had uh another shocking thing was people came i think the value in order was to see us to meet one another, then to actually hear what we had to say. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. And I think there was a, some benefit in doing it in Vancouver where there's probably just not a lot of events going on for entrepreneurs or tech people that are like exciting uh, versus I think if we had done this in San Francisco, we probably would have got more numbers, but they wouldn't have cared as much. Right. Like there was a lot of people at this thing in Vancouver that traveled from Toronto or from Portland or from different places to come see it because, oh, might as well. It's a couple hours away and, uh, you know, it, you know, there's not going to be another thing like this anytime soon where I'm at. Um, so anyways, those were some quick, uh, quick recaps. I guess if people weren't there, what should we explain? What did we actually do? So it was me, you and Andrew Wilkinson on stage. It was in this theater. So there's like a balcony seating. There was like a, you know, basically a giant theater where like a comedian would normally play. In fact, backstage as we're walking up, yeah. <laughs> it was truly humbling. And I mean, humbling in the, in the most, shit on myself way which was we we're walking up to the stage and it's like these framed pictures of guys who were in that same green room green room before us it's like jerry seinfeld dave chappelle it's like all these like legendary comedians and it's like some of the best podcasters 
that you've ever seen in the entrepreneurship category on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Dude, it was <laughs> it was humbling. Another thing that was humbling was after it happened, we left the stage and we went and just hung out with people and there was just a huge line. And what it made me realize was that, so a lot of people don't realize this, but it's basically Sean and me and, and producer Ben, um, Jonathan sometimes, and we are sitting here just recording, talking to each other. You forget, all, we forget on a regular basis that it's being recorded. When the podcast gets published, we don't see comments. We don't know, like we could see the numbers, but it's just like an analytics screen. I don't know who's listening, right. why they're listening. I don't know any of that. And so you forget that this stuff actually kind of matters to some people. And it's really fun to go and meet people who consume your thing and realize, wow, this actually matters to them. That was humbling as well. And that yeah, there would be like a father and son be like, we always listen to the pod together. And then we brainstorm. He's 14, but he wants to be an entrepreneur like you guys. So after we listen to the pod, we then brainstorm and do stuff. It's like, oh, that's really cool. This is like a, this is like embedded in your kind of like family a little bit. You know, there were examples like that that were very surprising to me, but, but cool. Also, I should say you were good at that. Like you were really good on stage. <laughs> Sam was, I don't know what happened. I think the nicotine pouch kicked in and Sam went to another level. I'm going to start doing nicotine, dude. That was a great ad for, for that. Uh, Sam had great jokes. And then afterwards also, I feel like in the meet and greet, you were good at being kind of the celebrity. Like I didn't know what to do with my hands. You know, people would come up and be like, can I take a picture? And my response was like, why? Oh yeah, sure. I guess. <laughs> and then they would stand next to me and I would do this like, point thing to each one of them like <laughs> this guy like if you look go look on the instagram every picture with me i'm just doing nah it's about this guy right here whoever the fan was and you were giving them the billionaire hug which um i don't know if people picked up on but you 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 taught me this afterwards i didn't know this trick explain the billionaire hug so i have a theory that once you hit a billion dollars you get like invited to this like <laughs> seminar and they teach you how to do a billy hug which is basically when you hug someone, your hips and ass are in one direction, but then your shoulders and arm lean hard to the right. And so you could be touching them shoulder to shoulder, but ass to ass, you're never touching them. And this is like a way to like, look, we're touching and I'm being affectionate, but like my crotch isn't in the vicinity. Therefore, it's safe. It's all good. This is PC. And so I do the billionaire hug. I also bring my wife along to all these things as well. Because it always freaks me out. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't want ever. I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. Sometimes, you know, it's just, it's just, it can be uncomfortable every once in a while. So I did the Billy <laughs> hug. I do that. I'm not a Billy, but I did the Billy hug because I've learned is from it, Billy's. Is it a, is it a sexual thing? Is it like, you know, you're, you're keeping your wallet away from them? What, what do you do? What, why does the, why do the hips need to be away? Is there even an explanation, or it's just something that only billionaires would understand? It's just a, a time honored tradition. I don't know. I'm not there yet, so I don't know. But I just. I, you know, it's like singing in the shower. I copy my heroes. Uh, so that, that's why I do it. Um, and this is a man and a woman thing, by the way. It's from the men as well. I've noticed that sometimes we have this relationship with people where they hear us talk and they think, oh, you're so approachable. And sometimes they'll come up to me and they'll go, dude, let's fuck. Let's do this. And I'm like, whoa, you're coming on too hard to me. I know I say this stuff, but you're coming on too hard. So sometimes you need to set some boundaries. And that's my mini boundary. It's the crotch boundary. Right. <laughs> 
Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We we so we had our buddy Andrew on there. Andrew was really funny too. I got to say, Andrew, who's been on the pod a bunch of times, I'd never met in person. So I've talked to him on the phone. We've done Zoom calls. He's come on the pod. But in person, I got to say, he's got a lot more juice than I expected. And Dude, tell the story about dinner or lunch. <laughs> so, we go to, so we go to lunch. So before the show, we're like, oh, dude, we got to hang out, Ben. You're fr- he's kind of from this area. I thought Vancouver, BC, it's all the same thing. Actually, you got to take a seaplane yeah. of, or a helicopter. So he took a fucking chopper to come <laughs> meet us, which is honestly one of the more big dog moves anyone's ever done to me. Um, well, so he, it, the he reason lands. we knew it was a big dog move because he was a li- he was like five or ten minutes late, and instead of saying, uh, "You know, my flight was delayed," he said, "I was late for my flight," and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's subtle. I didn't pick that up. I just heard over what he called on the phone. It was just <laughs> I just heard the chopper going, and I was like, "Hey, wait a minute! Is there a fan on near you? What's going? What is that?" Um, so he lands, and before he lands, he goes, I'm going to be five to ten minutes late. Again, I was late for my flight. And then he goes, um, just order me. And he had a list. Just order to me and Sam. He goes, eight oysters, two, like, two salmon nigiri, this, like, you know, whatever, wagyu steak, um, you know, a miso soup. I have a nut and a shellfish allergy. I'll die if somebody does that. And then he, he just signs it off. Thanks, but just THX. And so, <laughs> I see this. I'm I was I was running late too, as as per usual. I was in the shower at this point. I just started laughing. <laughs> Sam replies, What did you say? <laughs> I was like, Did you just say thanks to me? Like, yes, sir. I mean, it was like ridiculous. And he was like, sorry. He tried, he tried to blame an autocorrect. <laughs> We're like, nah, bro, you're just used to talking to people too much like that. You 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 have people who let you get away with that. That shit might fly in Canada. But you don't bring that weak THX shit to, yeah. to, to the United States of America. We, we, we reject that. We send that back. Um, <laughs> so we go to lunch, and we're having a, a good time. We're just catching up. Again, Andrew's got the juice. He's got the juice in the way that my best friends, who I look up to the most, have that juice. You have that, too. When you hang out in person with Sam, he's got a little bounce in his step. And it just seems like he's eager. He's excited. He's got a plan. Wherever you go, there's not going to be... It's not going to just be a default normal experience. Something a little more fun is going to happen. Something a little extra is going to happen. A little more laughter, a little more, um, you know, learning. Something extra is going to happen. So Andrew had that, which I was, which was awesome to see because he's quite, I don't know, would you say like reserved or calm? He's got almost like a calm brand, but in person, his energy was a lot more kinetic, freewheeling, and I liked it. He had a very kinetic en- energy where he was physical. You know, he was moving. <laughs> yeah, and- he was. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, he was kinetic. He had that. En- I have that too. People always yell at me because I've got big thighs and I shake. And whenever I shake my thighs, <laughs> the table moves. 
And they're like, dude, you're too kinetic. So yeah, he's got that kinetic energy. And we're having this wonderful <laughs> lunch. It's probably an hour and a half in. And then we're not quite done eating yet, or at least it doesn't feel there. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh, shoot. And we're like, what? Like, he like it's like a panic. He goes, dude, my Uber's been outside waiting for me for 10 minutes. I got to go. Bye. And he just stands up and walks away. And we're like, <laughs> no, it was even better than that. He just stood up like he was stretching for a second. And then he picked up his jacket and he's like, I'll see you guys at the place. And we're like, what? And he goes, yeah, sorry, I got to go. My Uber's been outside for 10 minutes. We're like, when did you call an Uber? <laughs> and he floated away like a balloon. Like he was the grandfather in Up and he just went away. The house flew away. And then me and Sam were like, okay. Yo, was that weird that he just kind of <laughs> yeah. floated away like a balloon? Yeah, it's like, well, we'll work on conversation skills later, Andrew. Have a nice day. Yeah, he just kind of bounced. <laughs> Um, yeah, I had to blow him a kiss. He was floating away <laughs> so, so far. It was the only appropriate goodbye. But in general, the thing was awesome. Now, I, I don't, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I would like us to do a five or three like thing, where, like a day thing where we could do like, you know, three dates in five days. I want to go to like C and B cities. So not the New Yorks, not the SFs, something like uh, Denver or Toronto or Kansas City, something where they're, you know, what, what did you call it? Small pitch. Small pond syndrome. That's what I want to be. Yeah, I want to be a, yes. a, 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 a big fish in a small pond because these people <laughs> a were big so... piss in a small pond. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard word to say, you, but you want to do, do you, it? Um, uh, you have a little something on your shirt here. I think you got a little, little taste of fame, a little dribble <laughs> of that fame that just stained the shirt there. You, you like that taste of fame, didn't you? Well, here's why I like it. We've talked about We this. know why you like it. Yeah. Because being famous is awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> But it is exhausting. Now I understand why, like, the touring bands who last a long time, they show up, they do the concert, and they go home and go to bed. I was like, I couldn't sleep because we were like, did we hung out with everyone? Then we had like a breakfast the next day. But anyway, I liked it because it was a challenge. I also think that in our little tech world, we assume that we're this little niche internet nerds, which we are, but it's actually cool to like flex and see the people. And, and, and honestly, felt like a movement. And there was times where I, I felt. It was you and I were great at what we do, but in reality, we were just an excuse and like a steward of like a particular type of movement of these people who are yeah. like, you know, we're all on a journey. Some people are further ahead. Some people are uh, not there yet. Some people don't want to go far. Some do, but they're all going someplace. And it felt like we were just an, ex uh, an excuse to gather those people. And it really felt beyond and bigger than us. I know that sounds woo woo and shit like that, but that's truly how it felt. And so that's why I thought it was cool. I agree 100%. At first, I felt so excited. I was like, man, I can't believe we sold out this theater. There's 2,000 people on the wait list. They came to see us. And I think there was a, a small part that was like, or that's like the stated excuse. But the reality is that the value was just, if you like this podcast, that's put you through a bunch of filters. And the filters are like a lot of our, our, of our sayings, right? So it's like, you know, no small boy stuff, right? So it's like people who want to think big for themselves, but they define what big means for them. But it's also people who don't take themselves too seriously. If you want the smartest podcast, you should go listen to invest like the best and go listen to all in and go listen to a bunch of podcasts with people who are their intellectual horsepower outruns ours, right? The oven burns a little hotter for those guys than it does for us. Um, if you want somebody who like, we will celebrate a dude who's like a plumber that's hacking the yellow pages to get more leads. 
as much as we will a guy who's building a new a new city or a new country, you know, from scratch. And so the, the, there's like this set of people who appreciate the same things we appreciate. And when you put them together, th- we're probably like, it's not easy for them. I think of their day-to-day life to be around a bunch of other people who are like them, the sort of schemer and dreamer, um, you know, uh, a profile or archetype. And so that's what I saw was the best. Cause it was like, Oh man, sorry. You guys had to wait. They're like, no, it was awesome. I was in line with a bunch of other people who were, I met this guy who's doing this and this guy is doing this. And I said, Oh wow. Okay. That makes sense to me. Like the real value here wasn't coming and getting a selfie with me as I do my awkward point. It was actually just getting to, like to be in a community of other people who have that, who have the same sort of freak energy that you have. And, um, then once that, once I saw that, I was like, okay, this makes sense. We should do, you know, more of this. Dude, I met a guy like there was a couple billionaires in the crowd. I don't know if you know that, and I'm not going to call them out, but I, I met one of them, um, or at least their, their stake and they, they, they own multiple, they, they have large stakes in multi-billion dollar companies. And I remember I met one of them and he was like a typical like dorky guy. And then I met this other guy who had a sheetrock business that like, you know, it's like a blue collar thing and his hands were just so meaty and fat. And I remember shaking his hands and I told him, I was like, dude, I can't even wrap my hand around your hand and I'm not small. And, uh, that's, and I was like, dude, that's sick. We got, we got the neck beards. They had the callous hands guys. And, uh, and this guy, one of the guys I go, yeah, just, you know, DM me on Twitter. He goes, okay, cool. You'll see me. My Twitter handle is called fucking manly. And, uh, that's what he said to me. And I was like, all right, that's badass. Dude. Yeah, I gave us a hat. Yeah. He, he, he's, uh, he said something. He's like, my wife has a big Instagram following for women stuff, so I decided to create fucking manly to to like counteract that. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Um, I want to tell you about one woman who I thought uh, was really had a really interesting. I know story her well. That, that came I, out. I know her well. So I was at the di- there was a dinner the night before that the tiny guys hosted, and at the dinner met some people. Whatever it was good. Uh, one woman came up and she goes, um, she's like, "Hey, my name's uh, Anya. You know." Uh, big fan blah, blah blah and then she gave me a, high, a little like quick high five she goes i just made my first million and i was like nice uh what do you do and um and she was like well you know we i created this app for people with panic attacks it's called rooted and i was like panic attacks is that like the, an app for panic attacks? i never would have even thought about that niche and uh she's like yeah you know i struggled with it like crazy um and so then i created this app so she pulls out this app called rooted and rooted as in like, you know, feeling grounded instead of having, you know, this sort of panic attack. And there's like a red panic button you can hit if you're feeling something in the moment. But there's also just like sleep. There's like lessons where you can learn about like, what is this thing? And why does this happen like to me? Like drills and breathing exercises. Exercise, breathing exercises and so on and so forth. And she said she has had two point something million downloads of this app. And I thought, okay, that's pretty great. Um, that's that's like, not even you know, the crazy part. There. Then I was like, Wow, um, are you are you just really good at Facebook ads or what? She goes, no, I don't do any paid marketing. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, so how do you get two point something million downloads off this? She goes, well, um, I think you know it solved a, a real problem, and also I dominate like the app store search for this because everybody else went really broad. They tried to go for like sleep or anxiety or breathing, and I went for panic attack because everybody else thought that was too narrow, and I just really like. Did a good job owning that in the app store, ASO, right? Instead of SEO, the, the app store optimization. And then I started getting good reviews and it just snowballed. And now I'm like the top one in that. And I thought, did she tell you like, how wow. big the so, team was? Exactly. So I was like, um, I was like, she's already halfway to being my hero at this point. 
And I go, and this is our first business. Deal. This is our first. Business. I go seal the deal for me. Uh, how big's your team? She goes, it's just me. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> I go, what? And she goes, yeah, it's just me. I have a couple contractors that you know help me with things, but there's no employees. I don't want any employees. Um, and I was like, I want to be you. You're, you know, you're. She's building something that has an impact. Um, you know, she dominated it her way when anybody else would have. Like, if she went to go ask, you know, smart guys like us, or you know, go ask some mentor what should I do? They'd either say, you know, go ask an investor. They'll say it's too small of a market. Go ask a mentor. They'll say, well, you need to, you know, what's your growth strategy? And she's like, I don't know. I just want to build a useful product and like, I'll figure it out as I go. Third is like, you need to scale up. You're n- no way. Cause she, she's closing these deals now with like healthcare companies where they'll just provide it for like, you know, all of the members of their gold plan. So like they'll pay for it for 50,000 members or something like that now. And you know, do you need a, a BD rep and a sales team and all this stuff? She's like, no, I just go take the meeting myself. And it took some time, but we, we got the deal. She done. said and she meets like, wow. them on LinkedIn. Fantastic. She goes, I just messaged them on LinkedIn. Fantastic. So I thought uh, Anya, you know, shout out to her. She's the, she's got the, I don't know, not Billy of the week, not blue collar side hustle. She's something else, but like, you know, the riches and niches award of the week, um, you know, goes to her. Cause I thought that was a pretty amazing story. No, it was amazing. And this is her first business. And so like, you know, everything that she said or everything that she has done, if you told me, like if, if she told me the idea, which is uh, I'm going to, I've never done anything tech related before and I can't code. I'm going to hire contractors overseas to do this. I don't know right. anything about marketing. I'm like, oh, you're everything you're saying, you're going to lose. This won't work. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she completely has pulled it off. And if you, and if you go to the reviews, did you look up her app? I mean, it's legit. Like there's like, uh, I think it's like a 4.9 rating. It's like a really high rating thousands of reviews and she completely has pulled it off i'm almost positive it's only two ish years old like it's not it's not it's not uh right and then she also just went full-time as of recently so this was like a, and a she side just thing. started monetizing it's like most of the app is free she's like yeah i want most of the app to be free um you know because obviously i'm trying to help as many people as i can i'm trying to find that balance uh, where it's a sustainable business but also most of the app's free and uh I just thought that was a bad, badass story. There was a bunch of people there that had like really big stories, but to me, that was uh, a, a really, uh, just an incredible, uh, incredible win. And she had a kind of a, an intensity about her. Oh yeah. That you could almost tell when you were talking to her, like, okay, even though on paper you got no attributes, right? And we all know the rule. <laughs> you got to have some attributes if you want to win. She didn't have the experience. She didn't have the skill of, of certain things, but she did have a certain level of intensity and you could see that. Uh, just in talking to her, like just the way she came across, she came across like a person to be taken seriously. And like, she was like a, like a very small person. It wasn't like her stature was, she didn't have a natural knack at that. It was just the way she was talking that, that, that stood out to me. Did you, uh, did you meet the Vessi guys? So V E S S I. Yeah. We went out for lunch. So, um, I, I don't know if I can say what, what they do. I don't, maybe you could say, but based, uh, if they told you the numbers, no, I'm not gonna say any numbers, but, uh, Tony was the the guy who's there as the founder, and they make awesome shoes. Apparently, I, I haven't tried them, so I, I can't. Dude, say they're, I think you, but they're hardcore in Vancouver, and so I um my the lady at my hotel saw me uh, wearing them, and she goes, "Oh, you're wearing Vessies. Those are those are happening." So basically, this she didn't say they're happening because she's not sixty years old, uh, but you know she said they're cool. <laughs> those are jazzy fresh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so it's this shoe called Vessie. They look just like tennis shoes, but apparently they're like waterproof, which is a big deal in Vancouver because it rains a lot and it's wet. And the guy bootstrapped the bootstrapped the company, and he told me the top line revenue, which I don't know if we could say or not. Just say it, and we'll bleep it. 
Uh, oh, okay, fine. We'll say say it and bleep it, but over. Um, and so basically, you you guys didn't hear what I just said, but we're talking like not we're talking in the same ballpark of like an Allbirds or something like that, like a a publicly traded company, uh, quite huge, completely bootstrapped. And I started talking to him, and he's like, "Hey, um, I I want to like I'm thinking about like getting popular on Twitter." And then he started talking to me, and I started giving feedback, and then he told me about the company, and I and he told me the size, and I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait." Why do you want to be on Twitter? You realize this is totally not worth your time. And you are like way better than any of the thread boys, including me. Don't go on Twitter, dude. Just keep crushing it. And the company that he had was entirely bootstrapped. And it started as a Kickstarter. So he was like, I was like, why are you guys so good? He said negative cash flow, like uh, negative cash cycle, which means, um, you know, people they sell the stuff before they have to pay for the goods. Yeah. He's like, we just have good terms with a with a manufacturer and we started as a Kickstarter. So it's been profitable since day one. And, and this is another thing where it breaks all types of uh, patterns that I thought possible. So starting in Vancouver, Vancouver's not a big city. I think the metropolitan area is like 800,000 or sorry, the metropolitan area is 2 million. The city is only 800,000. So it's not like an episode. I went for a run and I like ran across the city and I don't run. So, <laughs> yeah. It's not that big. <laughs> yeah and it's like not that big of a city it's in canada which i didn't realize how like canada's kind of podunk like it's it's a it's like it's like it's like there's only like 30 million people in that whole place it's like yeah canada has the same population as california it's crazy in the same population as like the metropolitan new york area i mean it's right it's, but the size of but it's bigger than the united states in terms of like the actual land mass so it's like just it's a lot of empty space or a lot of space per person yeah like it's not that big and uh, it's a little behind in terms of like, it's not like a, a sophisticated place, which isn't, isn't bad. But like, I remember when I went to the airport and they checked my passport in such an odd location. And like, I remember they checked it like as I was going to the security thing to like scan my my body, not ahead of time. I'm like, oh, you guys know it would be way faster if you do this, this, this uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, I met this guy and his company kills it. And so he, uh, huge company in Vancouver dominated Vancouver. They loved the shoes there. Everyone was talking about it. Incredibly quiet and nice. No like they, frills they about opened them. Up, they opened up a, a physical store in Vancouver. You, see the, you saw the video of that? Yeah, the video of the line. There's like a line like half Hundreds. a mile long. And I was like, yeah, so you like, this is like a marketing stunt. You like paid people to stand in this line. He's like, no, these are like actual customers. No, he's like, it's Monday. Bleep this too. But he said they're going to do out of their retail location this year. I was like, what the hell? That's an absurd number. It's crazy. This guy was really, really cool. Uh, so I'm happy I got to meet him. Um, but anyway, good weekend. We had a good time. We'll do it again. Our software is the worst. Have you heard of HubSpot? See, most CRMs are a cobbled together mess. But HubSpot is easy to adopt and actually looks gorgeous. I think I love our new CRM. Our software is the best. HubSpot. Grow better. Do you want to talk about, uh, you have another topic or you want me to go? Uh, I got one and then, uh, but let's do, let's do, okay, let's do this one first. So we went international. We went, um, abroad. Some might say, some might say offshore, (laughs) you know, they'd be wrong, but but you could say offshore. (laughs) They got me thinking about off a shore companies offshoring money. (laughs) And like, I don't know about you, but I've always heard about this, but if you had ever asked me to explain yeah, wait, how do companies like offshore, what is, what's a tax haven? Like, how do these things work? Do you actually know how this shit works? Because no. I went down a random rabbit hole last night and pretty interesting stuff. Dude, I have no idea what the word I, tax I haven't means. I not know really how this actually works. I don't know what it means, but I like using it. 
Uh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't really want one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> At, like it's, it's right under uh shell shell corporation. When people talk about well, it, actually they're related. All right. So, so the, here's the kind of the headline or the takeaway, which is that companies like Nike, Apple, huge companies, right? The, the companies that we've all heard of use this. This is not just like, Oh, I don't know, shady crypto guys that are opening up a company in the Bahamas or whatever. It's like, you know, the, the most blue chip of blue chip companies. Apple at one point had like $300 billion offshore overseas that they weren't bringing back into America. Why? Because the, the, here's the general like first principles explanation. So you, uh, every country has a tax rate. So let's say in, in the United States, the corporate tax rate, let's say is 21%. Well, if you make money here, you're going to pay 21% on all your profits. But if you're able to shift those profits so that they're taken in another country, you can use that country's tax rate. Well, guess what? There are several countries that have a tax rate of pretty much zero. And so what these companies do is like, I'll give you an example of Nike. So Nike did this brilliant thing that resulted in Nike paying like, I don't know, something like 3% a year tax rate on billions and billions of dollars of, uh, of revenue and profits. And so how did they do this? Well, what they did initially was they created a, a, a shell company. There we go. Bingo. A shell company in Bermuda. And the shell company in Bermuda owned the swoosh, like the trademark to the Nike check. And then what happened is company in the United States is selling shoes, but then, and it might rack up, let's say $10 billion of revenue uh, or even like gross, gross profit. So like, you know, after taking out into account the shoes and the shipping and all that, well, normally they just have to pay the tax on the 10 billion. Well, what they would do is the swoosh company in Bermuda would then charge them 9 billion, let's say, um, in royalty payments saying, Hey, you're using the swoosh. You got to pay us for that. So all of a sudden the taxable income in the U S goes from 10 down to one. And now they just pay the 20% on the 1 billion and the 9 billion that the Bermuda company got pays a tax rate of zero, right? So their effective tax rate goes way, way down. And so this is what they did initially. And then, um, and, and this lasted for like, you know, some period of time, um, but then, and then they kind of closed these loopholes over time. So Nike had this had this set up in in the Netherlands, and they had this set up in the Netherlands where uh, they had you know some Nike international company over there. They were doing this where in the Netherlands they didn't have to pay taxes on on the money for some period of time because there was like a rule where on royalty income you don't have to pay taxes. So they're like, great, all the revenue this company's making is the royalty income from the IP, the the, the swoosh trademark that we're we're. Um, that we're trademark, uh, we're, we're renting out basically to our other companies. And so they were not paying any taxes on Europe, Middle East, whatever. And then what happens is, um, you know, after 10 years, people start complaining. They close that loophole. The politicians high five. They're like, we did it. These big corporations are going to pay their fair share. And Nike goes, Oh, oh hold on. Let me, uh, they get the Blackberry out. They call, they call up the lawyer. They say, Hey, uh, one hole closed, open up another, please hang up the phone. And that the lawyers get to work and they realize we could do something different. Here's what we'll do. We'll create two Dutch companies. And one of them will have a director in the United States, because here's what happens in the United States. The law says if your company, if the company is incorporated somewhere else, it should be taxed in that country. And then in the Netherlands, it says, well, if it has us directors, it's going to be taxed in the U S so it's kind of like those like goofy, those movies where like the two guys are pointing, he's got it. No, he's got it. Wait, what? <laughs> Nobody's been taxing this thing. 
And so they they had what was called a stateless company, a company that was taxed nowhere, which is called Nike Innovate CV. And uh, it paid zero taxes, basically. And so companies like Nike have been able to do this. Um, Apple does the same thing. Facebook does the same thing. I don't know if you've ever seen like why all these tech companies have offices in Ireland. Yeah, in Dublin. Everyone has a Dublin. A Dublin and I, I was like, wow, you know, okay, must be, is it the great... Is it the, the the fantastic world-renowned engineering talent of Dublin? What What is the re- reason for this? And the reason is because there was something called the double Irish strategy, which said if you have one, one Irish company that owned the IP and then another one that was, uh, you know, just like a subsidiary of it, and then that one had U.S. directors, same thing, zero taxation. And so for, for five years, I think Apple made $30 billion through their Irish companies and paid zero taxes on it. And I just think this is Are you incredible do this? how they do this stuff. And by the way, Tim Cook goes and he sit, he stands in front of Congress. There's this amazing clip where he goes, Apple pays every dollar that they owe in taxes. Um, we don't depend on tax gimmicks. We don't stash money in some Caribbean island. It's like, yeah, you stash it in, in Ireland instead. Like, what are you, what are you talking about here? Um, and then like, you know, they've, they've kind of shut that d- double Irish strategy down. And then the... Uh, and then Apple goes, and this is all. This all got leaked from this thing that you probably remember called. Do you remember like the Panama Papers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that got leaked. Yeah. Do you know what actually happened there? Uh, a bunch of they, uh, uh, Panama was a city or a country. Sorry, a country where this happened, and I don't know how it got leaked. I think the accounting firm that did a lot of the work for people got hacked. Exactly. The fourth biggest law firm was something called Mosaic Fonseca. And basically, this is the fourth biggest law firm. They're known for like creating shell companies and all this stuff. They got hacked or not hacked, actually. Somebody just leaked 11 million documents. Oh, my God. Um, They don't know who leaked it, but somebody was like a whistleblower leaked this thing. And there was like this team of journalists that looked at it for a year before finally going forward and publishing the Panama Papers. Well, after that, there was something called... And that's where like the sort of Epstein and Putin stuff came out of the the Panama Papers. Then there was the Paradise Papers, which came after that, and that was leaked from this accounting firm called Applebee. And um, you know, huh. and so, interesting yeah. name. Apple. You're familiar. You're, yeah. you're a client of theirs. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> yeah. Is there a is there a, uh, like a Hooters LLC that can handle my income tax? Like what? Yeah. These guys do shell companies <laughs> and, and like, soft shells, tacos, skillet queso. Yeah. <laughs> we like all types of shells, <laughs> shell macaroni and shell companies. <laughs> exactly. So so you know they they basically they got leaked too, and then that's when the the company stuff that came out uh came out as far as and then you could see apple going to their law firm they, they leaked the email saying um we we've you know the, the irish thing is coming to an end we'd like to find another country that has this favorable advantage can you find us something in the you know maybe in the caribbean <laughs> like dude pretty much the exact opposite thing as he said in front of uh congress you did something that i think is funny and um so basically when people discuss these topics they use all type of all types of words that in itself are not like by definition are not bad words and they actually don't mean bad things, but they use it in this context and people automatically think villain. And sometimes I find myself using those words on purpose, but like bragging about them. So for example, loophole, Uh, you use the word loophole. Why don't we just call it a rule? You know, like we're just (laughs) following the rule. This is the rule. We're going to we're going to use the rule. They use loophole. Loopholes aren't bad. Just the rule. Another one. Manipulate. Why don't we just use like persuade or influence? And so like people use that word manipulate all the time. Another one is exploit. I love that word exploit. I'm like, (laughs) oh, so to efficiently use something like people talk about 
Amazon is exploiting their workers. I'm like, what does that mean? Is that the point? Is we give you money and then we exploit you? Like we buy myself. Don't get canceled. Don't get canceled, Sam. Well, we they- just got famous, bro. Don't 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 ruin this. <laughs> well, they use these words, and I'm like, that word, like that's the, that's the point is to exploit. We're going to use this in a very particular way, and we're going to use it efficiently. And you you just did that where you use these words, but it's like. You're saying the word loophole as if it's a scam where it's like, no, loophole is the opposite of a scam. It's right. This is we are playing in the rules. Uh, and well, I think that they do mean something, which is that they're within the rules, but not the, they're within the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. And I think that's the, the that's the difference. Don't get all here. pro bono lawyer on me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> There's bro science. Now you're doing bro legal jargon. <laughs> By the way, Tim Cook actually even said that, too, in that same clip. He goes, we not only comply with the letter of the law, but a spirit of the law, too, which was, yeah, that's a lie. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right, which is. There are rules of the game, and you can put if you play by those rules, you should not blame the player. You should hate the rule maker, right? You should hate the game. Um, and so I, I think that that's that's where a lot of people go wrong, right? They hear this stuff. When I'm explaining these, I'm not saying Apple and Nike are evil. But when I explain these, I'm, I'm I'm uh, really what I'm saying is I never really knew what this meant. I never knew actually how it worked. Dude, you're a capital oh, you're a capital J journalist. You're just saying the facts. <laughs> I'm a capital man. I think we established <laughs> that myself. Um, so, so yeah, I think this is kind of interesting. And w- w- then it's like, what's the game theory? So one thing that Trump did, which is actually pretty smart, which is another loaded thing you can't say, um, was he was like, dude, these companies have like hundreds of billions of dollars overseas. Because what happens is once they get taxed in the low, low, low tax place, they can't just move the money back into their, you know, Chase Bank here in America and like, you know, go, go down to the ATM and pull it out. Like it would get taxed when it comes back. So they leave it overseas. Um, so this is money that ne- never reaches. And so what Trump did was he goes, all right, look, I'm going to make a one-time exception for you to what's called repatriate the cash, bring the cash back to America. I'll lower the tax rate. It's like kind of like, all right, guys, get in here. Kind of like you know, the store owner like opens the back doors, like get in. It's like a uh, five minutes. It's like a gun give back. You ever seen those where you can like no questions asked, just give us your guns. And- right, right, exactly. And I think there's some some value to those those scenarios. Um, and so he, he made it like, you know, it's 15% tax on that cash. This is like one time, one time only if you want the cash back in America, so you can invest it here and use it in your corporate activities here, you know, here's your, your sort of like discount half price, um, you know, come on in. And, uh, and that brought like, I don't know, 60 or 90 billion back in, but, but not like the full amount he thought 4 trillion would come back in and it, they just didn't. Speaking of, uh, crazy people and huge men in terms of size and, and loopholes and tax evasion. I've got a cruel story for you. And I have a feeling you know about this person. This is okay. this is the I don't know if he's a Billy, but he's 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 close enough. Have you heard of Kim.com? Do you know who this guy is? Yeah, yeah. He's he's prolific, as you like to say. <laughs> Dude, this guy, that's the phrase here. I was gonna say this guy's a prolific freak. He's a total freak. So this guy named Kim.com has all these interesting facts and I read about him because he He's like 6'7", 350 pounds. This guy's massive. He's huge. And he lives in New Zealand. And he, uh, him and his wife, he married like a Philippine like beauty queen or something like that. And she divorced him. And, and these people thought that they were going to like, she was going to talk shit about him. She's like, no, no, no. Like, I have nothing bad to say about him. It just, it, the marriage didn't work out, but he was a nice guy. Uh, and so I started reading about him. By the way, what's his real name? Uh, and so Kim Schmitz. But then he was known as Kim, Tim, Jim, Vester. Or Kimball, 
And then eventually he legally changed his name to uh, .com. So the wife, the ex-wife kept her married last name and her name is like, you know, like Sarah.com. And so like the article <laughs> refers to her as like Miss.com. Uh, it's like, so that's her legal name. So <laughs> this guy's like, uh, I'm going to become Sean worldwide. Yeah, okay, Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is my wife. This is worldwide. Nice to meet you. Dude, that the article referred to her as, as miss.com. And so check this out. So this guy in the nineties, he starts in Germany as a hacker and he hacks something like 40 million or he claims this, but this is not verified. He said he uh, hacked into some like famous bank and he took $40 million and he donated it to Greenpeace. At least that's what he said. But TBD, if that's actually true, because Greenpeace is like, no, that's not true. And then eventually he starts building all these other programs and all this like software that is like mildly successful. And he tries to send, and he's a hacker all while, while he's doing this, doing a bunch of illegal shit. But while doing this, he's trying to send a file to his friend and the email that he's trying to send it through says, all right, you've exceeded the limit. We can't do this. So he creates this thing called Mega Upload, which eventually like gets huge. Have you heard of Mega Upload? If you ever download a, 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 an illegal movie or right. anything like that, you've probably come across Mega Uplo Upload. Have you? Of course. Yeah. Ne never, never used it for textbooks, but uh, <laughs> definitely have used Mega Upload. <laughs> yeah. So Mega Upload, it's kind of like Napster, but you don't need a down. I don't think you uh, it's just a website. So you don't need to download a client. So it's um, like Pirate Bay, I guess, is a similar one. But again, you still don't need a client. It's just a website where you can like trade files. And it goes viral because all these people would share files and he would put like mega upload like in the uh, like image. So like that's how it like grew uh, and got viral. And so anyway, he creates this thing and it swells. He launches it in 2005 and in 2010, he's basically he's able to pay himself forty two million dollars. That was his personal uh, income from that. And eventually, after like eight years, he gets sued and Hollywood sues him. I guess I don't know what Hollywood is, but big Hollywood sues him. Uh, the government sues the him. The sign. Yeah, the sign. <laughs> and they say that he uh, made close to $200 million in personal profit from this whole thing. And all during this, he's doing like this other crazy shit. So out of like 50 million Modern Warfare uh, players, this guy was ranked number one. He was the number one player really? for Call of Duty. Yes. In 2012, he was the number one person in the world at Call of Duty. He also finished first in the Gumball 3000. You know what that is? It's like a um, car race. It's a car race across Europe. He finishes first. Then <laughs> he releases an album of original music with any like collabs with other articles, uh, other artists. It's called Good Times. And it's not that bad uh, of an album, to be honest. Then he creates the Internet Party, which is a, a new political party in New Zealand. And it kind of gains some traction. And he's doing all of this while running Mega Upload. Well, Mega Upload gets sued, and he actually goes to jail for the second time. He's already been in jail for a few, I think, a few weeks, a few months before for his hacking stuff. This time he gets locked up for a longer period of time. And when they arrest him, they go to his house and his compound, and they just swarm it SWAT style. And in the house, they find all like 40 cars, like the nicest cars, you know, like um, these fancy Mercedes, AMGs, um, Bugattis, all this shit. They find all this art. But they also find $175 million in cash. This guy had that much money in cash in like a in a room in his house. He's kind of like a proper gangster. I mean, he's like a gangster of the gangster. And to give context, Mega Upload had 50 million visits a day. It was like the seventh most popular website in the world at one time. It accounted for 4% of the of total traffic in America. And it uh, had 180 million users 
and people were transferring 800 files a second on Mega Upload. This thing was huge. He had, and it was ran almost like a proper company. He had 155 employees, you know, engineers, customer service, admin, all this stuff. And it was wild. And this is a wild story that like I just came across because I was reading about Miss.com, his wife or his ex-wife. Very <laughs> fascinating guy. This guy's super prolific. He even created this thing called um, a, a mega car. So he was trying to launch a car company that was like internet connected. And it didn't like work out wonderfully, but he built like a handful of the cars. But super prolific. Very interesting. Um, and I thought that you might have a little bit of stories about this guy. This guy seems like he runs in your world a little bit. I'm going to send you this. I can't say this on the pod, but uh, we've DM'd before. And uh, I just have to show you what's in this DM. We can't, this, this is not going to be good content, but you, you have to see this. What, what, what um, was it just like crazy and appropriate stuff? I'll, I'll send it to you after this. But um, yeah, this guy is prolific. I feel like he's kind of like the um, rogue Mark Andreessen. Totally. Like Mark Andreessen is also surprisingly massive a prolific internet guy who was like, you know, had like a bunch of ideals and like took, took at it. Mark Andreessen just like sort of took more of the straight path. And this guy went rogue. <laughs> That's kind of how I think about him. Um, I can't, I'm blown away by this call of duty thing. Yeah. That, like he that, like, sh like uh, this isn't like a, he said, she said thing. I mean that this is like rankings. Like you can actually see like leaderboards and he was number yeah, one. But does he just have like a basement of like, you know, 15 year old Korean boys that are playing for him or something like this? Do I really believe that this guy was the number one worldwide Call of Duty player? That is insane. That is so crazy. That that's like what's the story about the the Uber guy Travis, where he was the number one Wii tennis player in the world or something. I like think that? he was like two. So basically, the story is like Chris Saka, this famous investor, and Travis were like at Chris Saka's like vacation home. Chris Saka, Mr. Saka, was there. Travis, <laughs> you know, that's how we got to, you know, that's how we got to explain the story. Um, so, you know, the difference between the, the two Sackas. Uh, so, so kind and polite. So Mr. Saka and Travis are playing Wii Tennis and Travis crushes the dad, Mr. Saka. And Travis at the end of the game goes, Mr. Saka, I've got a confession. And he kind of like, uh, you know, what's that princess movie with like, uh, I don't think the word means what you think it's uh, princess diary. He kind of like throws the Wii controller into the right hand. He goes, I've been playing left-handed the whole time, but I'm really right-handed. And he just like <laughs> obliterates them even more. And he goes, I have another confession. And he goes to the 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 game, uh, the rankings, and he's like two or three in Wii Tennis. Uh, and He's so, like the lift of Wii Tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Seven out of 10, we'll give him. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, this Kim.com guy, he's crazy, man. We got. I would love to have him on the pod. Uh, he's uh, super interesting. Yeah, that's a crazy story. Um, also, he, I feel like he did he didn't launch his own crypto token. Like the odds of him not doing his own token in the last five years, like that had to be like a one in one million chance of him not doing it. He probably, so, uh, I mean, he was like he, indicted by the he had US talked government. About it. But yeah, he, he probably had like I bet you he was like banned for like uh, you know selling securities. I bet you he had some. I, I didn't look into like. Uh, what his what his ban was and what the what the verdict was, but I mean he was in like legit trouble. I mean he was in prison, uh, right. and so he probably can't. Um, but it, what's crazy is number one in Call of Duty, number two that he had 175 million dollars in cash in a room in his house. That's that's wild. I don't even know. I would like to know how much like physical space that takes up, but that'd be a lot. Isn't it like always disappointing? It's like that's just two briefcases. Yeah, dude. On the Sopranos, I was watching last night. They gave a guy seventy five thousand dollars, and it was in an envelope, like not a like 
Not a like a Manila, like not even the type that you've got to go to FedEx for, the type that you have in your home. Uh, I can't tell you how disappointed I would be. Like if I ever am involved with any kind of ransom or if I win some sort of prize, like I need the giant check if I win a prize. And if you're going to give me some cash, like just get it in the smallest bills possible. I want duffel bags. I want I want like, a you know, a Costco trolley bringing me the cash like if i get something and it's in an envelope i don't care what's inside i'm throwing it away yeah if it fits in my jacket pocket i'm out and if like and it was like the side pocket of like a suit where you reach in so you know those pockets are small and they fit and that seventy five thousand or whatever fit in that jacket very keep it yeah just keep it (laughs) (laughs) um i bought a lottery ticket in canada i didn't win by the way you buy lottery tickets yeah i i have this moment whenever i get up to the counter where my brain just goes into an instant fantasy of like and then this was the day. And then I'm telling people that I almost didn't buy it, but I just said, hey, screw it. And I bought it and I won. Dude, that's and the stupidest I, shit ever. I do that at least one out of three times I'm at a counter. In the US, they, they require cash. So that just that's what saves me from not buying it. But um, in Canada, you could buy it on your card. It's great. We're going to wrap there? Yeah, we could, we could wrap there. All right. That's the pod. We got to start saying the gentleman's agreement every time, by the way. I keep forgetting to. Go subscribe to us on YouTube. <laughs> That's it.